Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. We're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If it's your first time joining us at Radiant, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. If you fill out that short form online for us, then as a way of saying thank you, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed. We're continuing our deep dive into the book of Daniel. We started that earlier this year. Uh, we spent the first 10 weeks of 2022 moving through chapters 1 through 7. Then we took a little break and we jumped back into Daniel 8 last week where we dug into a passage uh, that you could really consider like a flyover passage. Daniel chapter 8 has nothing to do with us. So it has everything to do with Israel and Greece and ancient history. But embedded in this passage are some very important elements to the nature of God and how he operates. So we learn things like, you know, God's providence and how he moves supernaturally through natural means to bring about his will and his plan for humanity. Spiritual warfare does in fact exist. And hey, we also learn about the sovereignty of God. He's in complete control of absolutely everything. So today we're turning the page to Daniel chapter 9 and we're going to split Daniel 9 into two parts. All the attention in this chapter, it really tends to go to what's at the end with this very famous apocalyptic prophecy about the 77s. (laughs) We're going to tackle that, okay? But we'll do that when we come back to Daniel again in a few weeks. So while that's kind of the sexy part of the chapter, you don't get the 77s without first getting the 19 verses that precede it. In the first portion of Daniel 9, we read that Daniel visits Jeremiah's prophecy again, and it stirs just the very depths of his soul. So much so that he goes in the morning and he offers up a prayer for the nation of Israel. And there's so much just to unpack here. And the challenge, of course, is going to be trying to get as much of this in as we can today. But I believe this prayer that Daniel prays offers us some very important key truths about our personal prayers and also the prayers we can pray for our own nation. Okay, Daniel chapter 9, verse number 1. Check it out. It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Asahurus, who became the king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord, as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet, that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord, and I pleaded with him in prayer and fasting, and I also wore burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. Look at verse 4. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O Lord, you are great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and you keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. But we have sinned and we have done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. We refuse to listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke on your authority to our kings and princes and ancestors to all the people of the land continues in verse number seven. Lord, you are right. But as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all of Israel, who scattered near and far wherever you've driven us because of our disloyalty to you, O Lord. We and our kings and our princes and ancestors, we are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. 
but the Lord our God is merciful and He's forgiving. Even though we've rebelled against Him, we have not obeyed the Lord our God. For we have not followed the instructions He gave us through His servants, the prophets. All of Israel has disobeyed your instruction and turned away, refusing to listen to your voice. So a couple of things that I just kind of want you to notice as we kind of break down this prayer, or actually before we get to the prayer, really. Um, first, it all takes place after Darius and Persia have toppled Babylon. Now, we don't know the exact year that Daniel found himself in the lion's den that chapter 6 talks about, so we can assume it takes place after Daniel 5, maybe before chapter 6, maybe after it, we're not entirely sure. But the reason why it's significant to know it is the first year of Darius' reign is because this means it's the first year of Cyrus as king of Persia. And why does that matter? Well, Cyrus issues a decree during his first year that allows some of the exiled Jews to return back to Jerusalem and Judah. The period of exile is coming to a close. So maybe it's that event which triggers Daniel's memory banks a little bit, and perhaps he starts reading Jeremiah again to find out, you know, uh, find what he's looking for. Or perhaps he's reading Jeremiah out of coincidence. I tend to think it's the former, that he reads Jeremiah because of what's happening in the world around him right now. But at any rate, he's probably reading either Jeremiah, you know, 29 or 25, okay? And he's reading the words of Jeremiah about the 70 years of exile. So we know right away uh, that that, that's going to fall into one of those two passages. Both contain words about the seven years of exile, but I want to focus on Jeremiah 29 because I think it's pretty important, perhaps, is what he was reading. Jeremiah 29, 10 through 14 says this. This is what the Lord says. You'll be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things that I have promised, and I will bring you home again. Now here is the context of the very famous verse of Jeremiah 29:11. God says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And in those days when you pray, I will listen. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me, and I'll be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations that I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. So what's Daniel's response when he reads that? Well, he takes the word of God seriously. He puts on traditional morning clothes and he fasts in preparation for this prayer. He didn't just, you know, read it and stop and begin to pray. He actually took the time to prepare his heart and make sure that he was coming to the Lord with the right mindset. Can I just ask you for a moment, when was the last time you prepared your heart for God's presence. Like, when was the last time you, you had a matter you wanted to bring before the Lord, and so you prepared your heart for days, maybe even weeks? Like, we don't know how long Daniel's preparation lasted, but we, we, he wanted to be prepared for it, for sure. And I think there's an important lesson in itself right here, that if we're longing to bring important matters to God, we should prepare our hearts. Take the time to get some things right spiritually. Bring your case to a holy, powerful, gracious God, right? And so Daniel prepares his heart and he gets right spiritually before bringing this important request to the Lord. He's just read the promise that if Israel looks for God, they'll find him. If they turn back to him, he'll end their exile and bring them back at the close of this period. So that we, we don't really know if the 70 years was, was actually like literally 70 years or not. 
time doesn't really permit me to get into all of that, but remember this, we, we tend to take prophetic numbers symbolically, right? So I lean towards symbolism here, that it stands for a completed amount of time. It was a definite amount that Israel would spend in exile, and when Babylon fell, it signaled the end of the exile was coming to a close, right? The exile was coming to a close, and, and, and it was the end. And so Daniel seizes that moment, and he goes before the Lord, and he prays on behalf of his people. Now notice, he doesn't refer to like the second person here when talking about Israel. He, he includes himself with his people. He identifies with them. It's not, well, you know, they've sinned. It's we've sinned. He doesn't develop a victim mentality and blame what's happened on Israel's past leadership. He doesn't blame the Babylonians. He doesn't blame God. He puts the blame squarely on national Israel and himself. That stands in stark contrast to our world today, right? Like in our culture, we point fingers at people and we scream. We say, man, like, I, I want mine. It's owed to me because of what this person did or that group of folks did. And we, we overlook our own wrongs so we can cast blame on other people. Well, Daniel doesn't do that. Daniel just owns it. And in doing so, he shows us an important key about prayer that we have to adopt in our personal lives, but I also think as we pray for our own nation, uh, it's important for us to adopt it too, and, and that's this, that confession leads to repentance. Confession leads to repentance. So far, he's confessing Israel's sin, but we've sinned and done wrong, he says. We've rebelled against you. We refuse to listen, he says. All that's language invoking confession. It's like, hey, God, we messed up. We got it wrong. We were not in the right mindset, and we did not have the right hearts. And that confession pivots to repentance in verse number eight. It says, we and our kings and princes and ancestors, we are covered with shame because we've sinned against you. Shame is a, a, a powerful thing in the Middle Eastern cultures, right? Repentance is not simply asking God to forgive. It goes a step further. It's changing how you think. It's a shift in your mindset. You're not just asking God to forgive you. You're telling God, hey, I'm going to change. I'm going to change how I think, how I act, how I live. 1 John 1, 9 tells us this. When we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive us of our sins. But Romans 12, 2 tells us to go a step further. Allow God to transform you by the way you're thinking. So forgiveness and repentance go hand in hand. But both of them begin with a simple act of confession. We confess our sins to God. It's not forgive and forget with the Lord. It's not a biblical principle. Sounds good, but it's not, not godly. It's confess and forgive. And after this confession, Daniel's prayer will continue. Look at verse number 11. So now the solemn curses and judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, they have been poured down on us because of our sin. You've kept your word and done to us and our rulers exactly as you warned. Never has there been such disaster as happened in Israel or in Jerusalem. Every curse written against us in the law of Moses has come true. Yet we have refused to seek mercy from our Lord and God by turning from our sins and recognizing his truth. Therefore, the Lord brought us uh, upon us the disaster he prepared. The Lord our God was right to do all those things, for we did not obey him. Look how he owns this stuff, man. He's just coming up clean to the Lord. Look at verse 15. Oh, Lord our God, you, know, you brought lasting honor to your name by rescuing your people from Egypt in a great display of power. But we have sinned and we're full of wickedness. And in full view of your faithful mercies, God, please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem. 
Jerusalem, your holy mountain. All the neighboring nations, they mock Jerusalem and your people because of our sins and the sins of our ancestors. Oh God, our, 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 hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead. You can kind of sense this as he's reading, right? Like, for your own sake, Lord, smile again on our, your desolate sanctuary. Verse number 18. Oh my God, lean down and listen to me. He continues, very passion right here. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, is in ruins. We make this plea not because we serve uh, you, know, you, but because of our, uh, your mercy. Oh Lord, hear us. Oh Lord, forgive us. Oh, oh God, listen to that. For your own sake, don't delay. Oh my God, for your people and your city, they bear your name. Ooh, it's a lot of passion there, right? Confession leads to repentance, and repentance leads to deliverance. So Daniel's confessed Israel's sin. He's made known their desire for repentance in the process. He's appealing now to God's mercy for a complete deliverance. So to really understand why this portion of his prayer is so important, you have to understand what Daniel's referring to with the phrase, the law of Moses. Okay, let me explain that real quick. So he's going to go back to Deuteronomy, which contains the covenant between God and Israel. Now, we don't really use that term covenant much, like if ever in our world today. It's a very churchy kind of word. Uh, in church circles, we hear it a lot because it sounds real spiritual. But most of us don't know <laughs> what it really refers to, you know? Sometimes it's called a promise, but the word covenant carries much, a lot more weight. Uh, we don't really have an exact match in English for the Hebrew term, so covenant is the closest we can kind of get. So a covenant is a legal expression uh, for commitments made by law, which carry uh, penalty, penalties for non-compliance. There's actually three covenants which comprise what's referred to as the covenant in the Old Testament. But for the sake of time, though, I'm going to dive not into that today. I'm going to dive into just a generic view of the covenant. But you should know that God does not introduce the Old Testament law first as his cause for relationship with Israel. Instead, he develops a relationship with Israel first, then he issues the Old Testament law as a way for their relationship to continue and, and grow. That's why we can say God's covenant stems from grace. It's not Legalism. It stems from the context of the grace of God. And to prove that, the very first commandment given is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So God acted graciously on Israel's behalf before they could do anything to earn his grace. Before Israel enters the promised land, Moses divides the people and he sends one group to a place called Mount Gerizim, another group to a place called Mount Ebal. And they announced all the blessings for keeping the covenant on Mount Gerizim and all the curses for breaking it on Mount Ebal. Now, Moses anticipates the people are going to break God's covenant. It doesn't take much to figure that one out. So in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 1 through 10, he explains that if they find themselves living in exile among the nations because of the curses as a result of their sin, God will bring them back to their land as long as they go back to him after return to the Lord. So just as God is obligated to destroy and exile Israel for their sin, this covenant has a clause in it that obligates God to restore Israel upon their confession and repentance. Now, let me, let me kind of turn things our way for the last little bit here. Now, I, I don't care if you're blue or red, voted for Biden or Trump. I don't care if you're rich or poor, you have a doctorate degree, or you just barely got out of high school. We are all Americans, right? And, and things are not great at the moment. In fact, they've, they've been not so great for quite some time. Uh, there used to be all kinds of calls for unity and prayer for our nation. I heard that all the time growing up in church. 
Today though, I see a lot more division. I, I, Christians are known far more for what we're against rather than what we're for, which I think is a problem because what we're for, hearts and lives turning to Christ, being transformed, that far outweighs all the things we're against. Uh, but, but we're most vocal about all the things we don't like and we're against that we are about the one thing which can change hearts and lives, right, forever, which is Jesus. So if we really want to see spiritual renewal in our nation, we have to take a page out of Daniel's prayer. We have to first prepare our hearts. I've already touched on that. But we also have to confess our sins and, and, and do so identifying with the rest of our fellow Americans. It is not like, you know, oh, it's their sin and those people. It's our sin. We're in the wrong. Hey, God, forgive us. We confess our people's sin before a holy and merciful God. We repent on behalf of our people to the Lord. And our repentance cuts deep. Can I just tell you that like, our repentance is not based on our ability to keep God's law or even the ability to make daily confessions of repentance? If it were, it would mean that our faith is based on good works and obedience. But our faith is not built on those things. Our faith is built on the person and work of Jesus Christ, who fulfilled the Old Testament law and took our place, receiving God's judgment for our sin. His death and resurrection is the foundation for our faith, not our repentance. Like, you know, and yet, yet repentance is important because God requires repentance to maintain a good relationship with Him. That 2 Corinthians 7.10 will tell us this, that godly sorrow brings repentance and salvation. So Daniel shows that kind of sorrow. Like, it, it, along with Jeremiah, uh, you know, that moved him to make this confession to the Lord on behalf of his people. And my question to you is, do you have this kind of sorrow for America? Do we deserve God's judgment Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that I want to welcome it with open arms, okay? Like Jeremiah knew God would bring judgment and destruction on Judah. He knew it. But he doesn't gloat about that. He doesn't accept that fate with satisfaction. Ha, ah, it's coming, you know, like smiles. Like his heart's torn. He's broken for his people. He longed for a change. He longed for them to come back to God. It consumed him. Daniel doesn't wait for some big prayer gathering. He picked up where Jeremiah left off. He prepared his heart and confessed Israel's sin and he took the position of repentance on behalf of his people and God heard his prayer verse 20 we'll get to it later but in verse 20 we read that Gabriel comes onto the scene again and gives Daniel the answer to his prayer that God's going to deliver Israel and return them back to their homeland can he do it here in America can God deliver us not from exile to a foreign oppressor but from a darkness of our own making well the answer is yes he can restore us. He can forgive us. He can heal us. He can free us. But it needs to start with us first. It needs to start with our lives getting right, our hearts being in the right condition. And so as we kind of close everything out, I want to ask you to do a couple of things. One, confess your sin to, to the Lord. Repent. Change your mindset. Ask God to change you. While we are going to spend time praying for our nation today and encourage you to do that, I want to really challenge you to prepare your hearts and minds for a set time period. You determine how long it has to be. But enter into a set time of preparation and bring your request to God. Pray on behalf of our people as Daniel did for his. Confess your sin to God. Ask the Lord to bring deliverance for us as he did in Daniel's day. And who knows, right? Perhaps God will hear your heartfelt prayer. And like Daniel, perhaps God will have mercy 
and he will answer. We pray, Father, I love you, and I thank you for, for men like Daniel, who show us an example, show us a pattern of what it means to have godly sorrow for your people, for a nation that leads to salvation and repentance. May we have that same sorrow for our nation and for our people. God, may we take a page out of this book here, Lord, and understand that confession leads to repentance. We need to confess our sin and confess our personal sin. And that's a great time right now to do that. Just confess your sin before God. Lord, we're sorry for the things that we've done. We're sorry, Lord, for the things that we've done that have violated your standards and your commands, God. And Lord, we identify ourselves with our people, with America. And on behalf of our nation, we say, God, forgive us. Forgive us for our sin. So much sin in our nation. God, forgive us for the wrongs we've done. Forgive us for the, the dark things we've allowed to fester. Forgive us, God, for the actions both taken and ignored that have allowed sin to flourish. God, forgive us, I pray. Change how we think. Change how we act. God, may we, may we repent and have this complete 180 as we allow you to transform us so we can live in accordance with your plan, your will, and your word. And God, I pray that this repentance will bring about deliverance. We don't have foreign oppressors. We don't have you know, exiles. But, but God, we have darkness that we've allowed to flourish and we've kind of, we're responsible for it. We've built it. God, I pray you deliver us from it. Set us free. God, set us free in our, in our marriages, in our homes, in our government, in, in our culture, in our people. God, set us free wherever darkness reigns. May light come and shatter the darkness. Deliver us, God, as a people, I pray. Deliver us, Lord, individually. So perhaps you're watching and listening and you need to say, Pastor, I, I need to be set free. Well, Lord, I pray for that person right now that as they begin to confess their sin, it's a great time to do it. Again, confess your sin before God. As they confess their sin, they're wrong. And now I ask, Lord, for you to cleanse them of their sin and forgive them. Asking you, God, to change their heart. Asking God to change their lives. Asking you to set them free. May you grant them new life. A new walk in you. A new life deliverance from darkness. Set them free, God, I pray. Change that person individually. Lord, as we are being transformed individually, as we are being set free individually, we as a nation, I pray, would follow suit. Deliver America, God. I, I, I pray today, God, deliver America. Set us free. Bring us back to a place where we are once again serving and following you. We pray and ask all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.